Well, hello. You know, Damien Dunn, my my dear, my man, <laughs> my dear friend and I decided to do uh, a work event together uh, yesterday. All right. So we do a, a live stream on LinkedIn. We some of you may have tuned in by mistake and with regret. And so we're, we're, it was really to HR teams and leadership teams talking about like why it matters when people struggle financially, like how, why it matters to the company. And that's very real. That is the world of which we live. And so here's the thing. Uh, in the midst of trying to be clever during that event, I may have conflated two very dynamic cultural moments. And to discuss this, I bring on the rest of the team. Dame Kristen, hello. Hello. Hi. Dame pointed this out to me after the event was over, and I I cringed for a good seven minutes. <laughs> so, Dame, I was trying to be clever that a 401k loan is like one step forward, two steps back. And so I was like, hmm. We call that the old Leonard Skinnerd, right? <laughs> and what I what I was trying to do is I remember a Leonard Skinnerd lyric. I loosely remembered a Leonard Skinnerd lyric in which there was steps towards the door. <clears throat> and what in fact I actually did was I conflated that idea with a Paula Abdul song <laughs> from the 1990s uh okay. called opposites Opposite. attract yeah so needless to say um dame i hope no one noticed oh i'm sure everybody noticed well at least those who have uh any experience with uh with music from the 70s through 90s mm. it was embarrassing hi Kristen. hello both you guys were at the office this week at the same time no less yeah, uh, did you guys? There was an Easter egg. Um, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, an Easter egg buried within our conversation. Missed it. I was wearing a camouflage dress shirt under my sweater. Didn't even oh, see it. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, stolen valor. Hey, uh, we have a quick show today. Unfortunately, it's my fault as always. Uh, but I, at the end of this first segment, I do have some uh, athletic news to share with you both. Oh. Yes, loosely athletic. Did did you sign a big contract this week, too? (laughs) Calm down. Okay. Calm down. Jameson points out it ain't fiction. It's a natural fact. He's exactly right. Opposites attract. Uh, Kristen, real quick, because this is important. Where does your knowledge of Paula Abdul in her moment, what's your relationship with that moment in time? Zero relation. My exposure to Paula is American Idol. Greg recognized the puffin sweatshirt made it in today. <laughs> um, Dame, dare I say, and I'm going to use the word hot, but not from like a you know, like a, an aesthetics, but although an aesthetics, the, she, she was the hottest thing in the world. Uh, and thing, I mean, like act. Okay, I'm not being pejorative here. Uh, for a couple of years, no? Yes. Yeah, uh, she the story from going from a, a Laker girl to you know having this giant mu- yeah she was a cheerleader for the Lakers yeah. uh, and then turned it into a huge musical career and then it just kind of all went away. Yeah, it was 
but then she was on American Idol. Remember, she was one of the for judges on American run. Idol for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen, she had Keanu Reeves in one of her music videos. Uh, was I living when those things happened? Okay. Probably and not. So <laughs> starts in. Kristen starts pulling the "I'm young" card. We move on. Well, and we have. Three. Short show today. Three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us as askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And I'll be darned. That's exactly what we're doing this week. Three email questions from, you guessed it, emailers joining me to discuss and to answer these questions. They give the good answers. I'm here for pressing record. Uh, Kristen Alanius and Damian Dunn. Hello. Good day. Good day. I'm not sure if this is our holiday show or not. I actually, we have not talked about the schedule going forward, uh, but hello. Happy holidays. Same to you. Fantastic. Uh, here we go. Um, let me make sure I'm on the right one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys and gal, podcast listener here. I'll try to be brief. I'm 45. The wife is 40. Timeout. Granted. Dame, I have learned after 23 years of marriage that if I ever reference my wife as the wife, I will stop the count on years of marriage. Thoughts? Well, here's what we know. They are a podcast listener. The wife is not. Okay. She's about 15 years into an education career. Time out. <laughs> You're going through them awfully fast, sir. That could mean she's 15. <laughs> I, I I don't think so. Time in. And can begin drawing from a pension in as little as 12 years. I am the wild card. I just left a 20-plus year corporate career to get into education. I'm looking to work for 10 more years, and the pension won't provide much value to me. We make about 180Ks per year. Now, I have about 500K in a prior 401K. Time out. No. It's a lot of Ks. <laughs> a lot right. of Ks. Uh, I'm no longer contributing to any retirement account aside from mandatory contributions to the state pension. This money is in the most aggressive predetermined set of funds. Very low expense ratios because I worked for an asset management company that very much desired to offer this to employees. I also have about 170 k in a taxable brokerage account as well. Do we still contribute $1,500 per month to? These funds are mostly in low expense S&P index ETFs. We've never used a planner or advisor of any kind, though I recently met one through the school district. Uh, He is a fiduciary. He thinks a good strategy for some or all of that 401k money is to roll it into a variable annuity, tracking the S&P that has a downside buffer and an upside cap. Uh, I must admit, this is all very new to me. Does this seem like a reasonable strategy given our station in life and our goals? I'll paste a link below if this is helpful. Thanks. Interested to hear your thoughts. Austin D. Going to pretend that last name's done just because. Yeah, he's our brother. Yeah. Um, Kristen, do you want to go first? (laughs) I have thoughts and I'm sure Dame does. What do you think? I have thoughts too. When I first read this email, I had kind of a gut reaction. But then I thought to myself, Austin, we might be putting the cart before the horse here. Because if the two of you read that second paragraph there, Austin is no longer contributing to any retirement account 
but is contributing $1,500 a month to a taxable brokerage account, which is so similar to the conversation we had. You guys, I'm bad at time. Last week, the week before, I don't know when it was. But why are we not contributing to retirement accounts right now? That's interesting. That's an interesting tag because I'm thinking he thinks he's going to have $2 million at least between a million and $2 million in a 401k or in qualified retirement by the time he retires. And I think he's trying to, per your point, make sure he doesn't over-contribute. Dame? Yeah, I think he's he he is looking at this as he's going to have a pretty full bucket on the qualified side. They're going to have a pension from, his, for, from the wife <laughs> as well as potentially a small one from him if they decide to leave it there instead of roll that value out into additional qualified monies. Uh, and then uh, they're going to have Social Security. I, I'm assuming they're going to have Social Security that the uh, their state they live in uh, or the district that they live in will still provide Social Security instead of uh, just the state pen- or the pension through the, the education. So I think he's trying to diversify asset location for uh, retirement coming up, and I don't hate it. Okay. Let's talk about a variable annuity. Let's talk about a qualified qualified money going into a variable annuity. So one of the reasons a person would purchase an annuity is to get, uh, in a sense, the effect of tax qualification. That is to defer growth, defer taxes on the growth and until you uh, withdraw. So that is like a, one of the reasons people purchase an annuity. By the mere fact that this is a qualified account that he's thinking about rolling over, you don't get like a double tax advantage uh, effect there. So th- that is always one piece of criticism people levy in this regard. Dame, uh, in full disclosure, uh, when I was a financial advisor, occasionally um, I facilitated this exact type of transaction when mm-hmm. it made sense. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. I do know that variable annuities can be incredibly expensive. And what scares me about this for this feller is that he is so into low expense funds. He mentions it twice. And by going to a variable annuity, he will go to the highest expensed investment you can possibly imagine. Yeah. And uh, beyond beyond the expenses, uh, there's a contradiction here. He says that he's invested in his, uh, uh, what are, was it, the, uh, pre, the most aggressive predetermined set of funds, but yet you're going to track the S&P 500 and cap it. So you're, you're very clearly comfortable with some risk tolerance. You've got plenty of time between now and retirement. You're going to end up costing yourself return over that time period if you're going to keep yourself constrained to a range of returns instead of just get letting the market do what the market does. So I, I don't personally, it doesn't sound like a variable annuity is in their best interest right now, but it could be in the future. I don't know. Kristen, I've always thought uh, that age matters in a situation like this. To, to Dame's point and to my point about age, if this person was 55 and had a, a conservative to moderate risk tolerance, I could see this. But at 45 and the wife being 40 with so much time to recover and being aggressive, how much do you take into account that, that they're only in their 40s? 
I think it's a primary factor is their age. To your point, we're not anywhere near to a, a place from a retirement uh, or from a time horizon perspective that we're talking about pulling that risk back. And then something else is kind of part of that end of that conversation is it always kind of gives me pause. And we weren't there to hear the context of this. But when like the summary of the conversation is this person is a fiduciary that we met with at the school for an hour, I'm like, the buzzword there makes me a little anxious. Like, why are we just throwing that out in a one hour conversation about an annuity for a 40 and a 45 year old? I want to get myself in trouble here probably with friends, Dame. Uh, if you're a fiduciary and within an hour you recommend a variable annuity, I, I, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, it, that, uh, you would have to have some very, very strong indicators, I would think, to uh, make a recommendation of a variable annuity in that time period. Chris, yeah, like, uh, let's get a little more, a little more pointed here. Do you think this person's a fiduciary? <laughs> yes, but not their fiduciary. Dame, do you think a fiduciary would recommend a variable annuity for a 45-year-old? And <laughs> uh, maybe a very certain circumstance, but everything that's been shared here seems uh, that may not be the case. So Austin, here's the thing. We don't know all the details. This fiduciary you met with might know more of the details of your life than you've shared with us. But I would say the three-headed monster that is the Kristen Inco doesn't love this one. Uh, is that fair, Kristen? That's absolutely fair. Dame? 100%. Great. Whew. Let's take a break. Coming up after the break, uh, an email question that involves weddings and bachelorette parties. I'm in. I'm Pete the Planner. I can't wait to answer this question. All right. I don't know. I mean, you can't use the F word for a 45 year old and all of a sudden you're getting a, a VA. I just don't. That doesn't in an hour, in an hour or less. How many variable annuities do you think that guy, that fiduciary, I don't even know if it's a guy, that, that fiduciary recommends to teachers at that school because they're comfortable with the idea of annuities and pensions? Via 403Bs. And, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, pretty, pretty frequently. Yeah. Lovely. You know, I'm going way, we don't have time. We, we just really don't have time for this. Um, okay, so let me just tell you my story. Um, I was at Ted's soccer practice the other night, and one of the other soccer dads, who's one of the coaches, who was a D1 athlete, was grew up in England, was like a nationally recognized athlete over there, came and, and, and performed sports <laughs> in the, uh, the U.S. and is around 40 years old. So he's about six years my younger, if not younger. Uh, good friend. So he said, hey, can you help me out? I was like, ah, Dame, you know me. I love to help. We need another player on our men's soccer team, <laughs> indoor league. I was, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm in. Dame, as you, I love soccer. Love it. I love football. The beautiful game. Here's the problem. Never played. I've coached. Uh, I have cleats, boots, if you will. And it's a 30 and older league. Oh, you are going to get run into the ground. <laughs> so, and, and it's also worth noting, I am in the worst shape of my life. I went home and shared this bit of news with my partner. She wasn't 
uh, displeased. She was actually mad. <laughs> she was. <laughs> it crossed over from not happy to anger. <clears throat> so next week on the show, if we have a show, we're gonna do a like what will be injured: Achilles, knees. We're gonna we're gonna do that next week. Okay. Excellent. Did she did she immediately ask about life and disability insurances? I can't really disclose. Okay. <laughs> private conversations with Mrs. Planner on the air. You know that's that, fair. And you that's know fair. That. You're right. I, I apologize to you and Mrs. Planner. You should. All right. Let's start the segment. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions. Uh, as always, you can email us ask Pete, petetheplanner.com, ask Pete at petetheplanner.com, and you will get uh, our answers. Our being Kristen and Dame and me. Here's a question Hi, Kristen and company. First of all, love the show. Question about short-term investments. I'm in my late 20s and have a few life events I'm saving for, including two weddings, uh, bachelorette parties included. They aren't this person's in 2024. One destination wedding in 2025, also not mine. Purchasing an engagement ring in 2024, finally mine. Yay. I, do I have any timeouts left? No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Whoa, whoa, I, granted. I, a special special timeout privileges granted to the host of the show. This so far, this is specifically why I don't have friends. You know? <laughs> no, no, please explain. No, my presence is your present. Like I'm not, I mean, that's a lot of stuff. It's a lot. I went to one destination bachelor party for my brother-in-law in Vegas. And needless to say, I was the adult. I was the fuddy-duddy, and I served that role well, but this is just too much going on here. You had this period in your life, in your 20s, though, where all your friends were getting married, and you your calendar in the summer was basically booked because it was from one church to another. It was a different time, Chris, and there weren't hashtags and gender reveals and everything else. Yeah, there are a lot of parties these days. Uh, I make around $75,000 a year with quarterly bonuses of around $7,000. I max out my 401k contributions, contribute a good amount to my HSA, and participate in my company's ESPP. No car or house payments and no student or credit card loans. In my high-yield savings account, uh, 4.35%. I have my emergency fund of 10,000 and an additional $10,000 of savings. Can I have another one? Yeah. <laughs> this is good. I know. Time in. With the upcoming spending I have planned, I'm trying to amp up my savings, but am I doing this right? I want my money to work for me and with the timeline of some of these larger spending plans. What should I do? Where should I keep my money? Is the high yield savings account the best option? Should I take a bonus and put it somewhere so that in two years when wedding season is over and I'm focused on my wedding, other financial goals? Thank you, Mac from Minnesota. Pete, you should work your story about the Russian locksmith into the uh, comedy routine, or at least the impression. Yeah, I thought about that, actually. Good, mm -hmm. good point. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. uh, Kristen, I'm, I, you got to get the first shot here. Um. Okay, so I a couple things stand out to me. And the first, which I mentioned to Dame yesterday and then quickly was like, save it for the show, save it for the show, is that the emailer has no car or house payment, which 
to me says two things. And I want to first congratulate the emailer because not having these larger expenses and still being able to save aggressively, that's often where we see people get into positions where they're living off of where their power percentage isn't as great, or they're living off of a greater percentage of that discretionary income. So kudos to the emailer for maxing out your 401k, HSA, uh, things like that. However, okay, well, there's a however coming. <laughs> however, I think that the amount it is the 401k savings is great, but how much of a hundred K then on an annual basis? And I maybe should have done this math before is the emailer saving? Like, is it, is it really enough given that we don't have a house or a car payment? I would view that more of like in, are we going with Mac as a, a young lady? Because you, you don't know, but I, I, mean, I no. enough clues are there. Can we just default or should we not? I don't know. The same question was going through my head. I, I think for what it's worth, Mac is an incredibly cute name. Yeah. Yeah. For a young man or a young woman. Yeah. Because of the K. Hey. Yeah. M-A-K. Um, Mackenzie? My point is Mac is going through a season of life that she isn't thinking too far ahead but mm -hmm. it's thinking two any two to three year chunks, which is certainly better than six month chunks, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. I mean, yeah, Mac has absolutely crushed it with savings at this point. Uh, to to Kristen's point, I I don't know. I'm asking to do more. I mean, if if we start doing the math, uh, it, just back of the napkin, there's twenty two thousand five hundred being saved for four hundred one k. Says a good amount. How, what do you want to assume in the in the HSA, Kristen? Two grand. Two grand. Okay, so we're at 24, 24 five now. Um, I, you have to think they're still making monthly contributions to emergency fund and additional savings, but we don't know what the rate is. So it, at least twenty five percent of their gross income is being saved. You, you think that's reasonable? Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm struggling with is that 25% ish of a $100,000 income, give or take some taxes, we're talking about $1,500 for housing expense that Mac doesn't have. So I think that's maybe where I'm getting a little hung up is $1,500 a month that would in, be in most budgets isn't in Mac's mm. budget. And maybe that ten those that $20,000 in savings has been saved at that rate. We don't necessarily know that. So Mac, I mean, I trust your judgment on this one. Just, just because there's no house payment doesn't mean there's not rent being paid in some way, shape or form. We, we don't, we can't necessarily assume that just because there's That's no fair. car payment doesn't mean that they have free transportation. Those, those costs are in there somewhere. They just aren't being allocated in, in this email in a traditional sense. So I, I think that money's being spent the level of which we just don't know. You know, I'm an old fashioned fella, you know, this uh -huh. day. Oh Yeah. What if Mac is actually living with her future fiance right now? That's what Kristen that, said. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's the thing, and that's why she, if that's what we're going with here, uh, is contributing to the engagement ring fund. Mm. Yeah, because if you're, uh, I'm, I'm jumping to all sorts of conclusions. Mm -hmm. I need to jump to conclusions, Matt. If they ever went into production from <laughs> office space, um. I, I I think if they were living apart and they were still in that level of courtship where they're trying to figure out if they're getting married, 
they probably wouldn't save for a ring together. But when you combine the fact that she doesn't have a house payment and she she is participating in the engagement ring savings, I feel like they live together and that is why their household income is much higher than 100. I think that's a safe assumption. Look at me. I'm like a carny. I can guess. So <laughs> so the real question that Mac actually asked, now that we've oh, yeah. made all these yeah, assumptions yeah. Wow. and probably gotten a lot wrong. And Mac, we're really sorry for that. Not that. Um, Feel free to email us about uh, how, how wrong we were. We'd don't email me. Where to put the money? I think that the answer that Mac, you probably know to be true is that the high yield savings account, because it seems like the money's coming right back out of your account about as fast as it's going in. Because in two big purchases in 24, a big purchase in 25, a big, maybe big purchase in 24, I get that some of these things have a little bit longer timeline. But as we're going, it kind of seems like the money is coming in and out. <sighs> I just got caught uh, no matter gender. Like, I'm, I'm not concerned with gender, but I do feel like I feel bad that I showed it just made it easier to talk about uh, to choose this. So, so Mac, uh, all apologies if we went the wrong direction there. Um, I, I will also note though, don't we have to get into a fact how much people actually spend on engagement rings these days? Isn't it? Cause if I'm being fuddy duddy, I'm gotta be fuddy duddy. Yes. Do we need time for you to be a fuddy duddy. I mean, we just got enough. a minute. We got just a minute. Enough. We got like, I mean, you're talking about bachelor, but you know what? Bachelorette parties makes it again seem like Mac's a woman. Could be. <clears throat> Could Potentially. Be. Why doesn't Mac just move to Nashville? Because that's where all the bachelorette parties are going to be anyway. Mm. Reduces the expense. <laughs> this is why I don't go to Nashville. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. Let's everybody calm down. Dame's going to go have a protein bar. Uh, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our favorite books, personal finance and otherwise. All that's next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. You guys didn't see me coughing, so you guys can talk while I offer oh. silence to the crowd. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, both Mary Lou and Rick thinks Mac are, yeah, my gosh, my conjugation is just garbage these days. Both those folks think Mac is a, is a guy, but that guy, I don't want this to be the thing though. You know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't. Don't, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Mac, I just don't want to offend you. I love right. you either way. I, I don't really care. Um, I think it's a girl though. I think it is too. I think Mac is short for McKenzie. I do too. I'm going to Google McKenzie in Minnesota and see what we come up with. <laughs> If, if you just didn't picture the cat uh, meme, yeah. the cat. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's just keep it rocking because um, I literally cannot be late or I will get fired. Okay. <sighs> the thought of that. Yikes. Okay. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Emails coming out the wazoo. Dane, where is the wazoo? Mm, we can talk about that off the air. Good day, Pete. <laughs> Ouch. Looks like you're on your own for this one. Longtime listener, occasional emailer here. In your December 1st show, you and Dame were talking about the quotes of the late Charles Munger. One of those mentioned was about having an avid reading lifestyle to which you echoed that same sentiment. That got me wondering. What are some of your personal favorite books or proverbial must-reads amongst you, Dame, and Christy? Looking forward to hearing the responses. Todd, 
P.S. At this point, I'm convinced your epitaph will read, ask my family about the 2.5% mortgage rate I once had. True. <laughs> Dane, what did I say in pre-show today about my mortgage? Uh, you have to go pay it. Make sure that you had time in your calendar to go pay that bad boy today. In person, baby. Oh, my. Uh, who wants to go? Or do you want to go round robin? Like, we'll just offer one and keep going. But I have a list. Gee, many Christmas, Kristen. <laughs> have you heard of a Kindle or like Audible? I have one of those too. Mm-hmm. These are just the physical copies that I have. You, oh, I don't want to get distracted, but oh, we're on the air, so it doesn't matter if we're right. distracted. <laughs> Do you guys know when the earth runs out of wood? <laughs> no, I've done that. I've done the match. No, had you a, haven't. I had a weird but... night. No, I have. I had a weird night like two weekends ago. <clears throat> you know what I mean by weird. Yeah. And so I started going like, when are we out of trees? Because yeah, I I was drinking some whiskey. And was, I was, Doug, was Doug there? No, Doug was not there. <laughs> I was drinking some whiskey and I thought, mm, this is really nice barrel aged. And I was like, man, bourbon's really popular. Where are they getting all the wood for all these barrels? barrels. Yeah. We're going to be out of wood soon. So then I did some research on when the planet could theoretically be out of wood. Before we get into our book list... I want you each to take a guess, number of guests, and number of years in which we're out of wood. I mean, is this, is this all things considered? Like all uh, things know, considered, like, like our things. use of all pro- and the re- replanting and yes. everything. Okay. Oh my. Yes, replanting is in, uh, is included. You're gonna make me guess two different things on this show today. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're both gonna be terrible guesses. Dane, where are you at? Five thousand years. Okay, Christy. Oh, it, half that. Christy is much closer. 300 years we're out of wood. Whatever. (laughs) Not true. No, and this isn't like a conservation thing per se. Uh, That may or it was on the internet. So yeah, who funded that? Yeah. Kristen, what's your book reading list uh, of which you're contributing to it possibly being 250 years? Um, my first one that I have is probably, I think you two both love it. It's kind of finance related is Freakonomics. Yeah. That's one of your like favorite of all time. Yes. Well, I mean, they have to be like kind. I mean, this is a personal finance show, so I feel like there has to be some, some degree of. So I can't bring up my Danielle Steele novels. Probably not what the emailer was hoping for. Okay, so Freakonomics, Dame, you want to go? Um, I don't have it because it's on a Kindle, but uh, the Geometry of Wealth by Brian Portnoy, uh, I thought was really good. Talks about um, you know happiness and finances and. How everything fits together. Geometry of wealth is is a pretty darn good read as well. If Dame and Kristen could plug their ears just for a quick second, so I can just talk to the listener. If neither of them say one of the dozen of books that I've personally written, this may be their last week on the show. Okay, um, I, I'm going to sort of. Uh, D- How did you know to unplug your ears? <laughs> I caught you. Busted. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm deviating right off the personal finance track and going more business mm-hmm. memoir mm-hmm. style. Uh, Shoe Dog uh, by Phil Knight. It was mm-hmm. the story of the founding of, of Nike. Uh, I love, I've read it three times. It's really great. Have you ever listened to it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've, 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 I really enjoyed the uh, the audiobook of that. Kristen? Um, this one 
The Four Tendencies is one of my like all-time favorite books. It's about how we need accountability, whether that's by external or internal expectations. And I think it's really telling when it comes to like how you need to find motivation and how to hold yourself accountable. Um, for me, for example, I'm going to show up for other people before I show up for myself. So it kind of gives you like tips and tricks for how to get you to do the things that you know you need to do. Great. Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen Rubin, Dame. Uh, this one goes into, it's also outside of the world of finance, uh, but it's a lot of it can be applied to your financial life. And there are a number of books like these. This one happens to be The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Pete, uh, we've we've gone through that one together, but I mean, you could easily slide Atomic Habits in there, which has been wildly, wildly popular. Very, very similar in... Um, goal of of all those books but they're just so well written and make everything seem so attainable that uh they are very well worth your time and your dollars to to buy them if it's not completely obvious i don't actually read personal finance books at this point so uh (laughs) i am going to just keep going on my list uh empire of pain by patrick radden keefe it goes through the sackler family discusses the founding of purdue pharmaceuticals and uh, Oxycontin and all of that sort of thing. It's incredibly good. Uh, anything by Patrick Radden Keefe is amazing, is absolutely amazing. And uh, I'm going to uh, double up. I also love um, Kitchen Confidential, which was Anthony Bourdain's first book. Uh, love that book as well. Kristen? Um, in the comments, in the Facebook comments, Jameson brought up The Millionaire Next Door. Jameson, I will give you The Millionaire Next Door and I will up you women Uh, Millionaire Women Next Door. This is on my TBR, my To Be Read, because this book, when it was written, 92% of the millionaires that they interviewed or that they talked to were men. So seven years, I think, or 10 years later, they came back and wrote a book about Millionaire Women Next Door, which is on my To Be Read. That's cool. I didn't know that. That's that's great. Nice. Dame? Uh, This is a classic. You can find it on bookshelves everywhere. 60 Days to Change by Peter Dunn. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is uh, absolutely life changing and make sure you uh, uh, oh, it looks like I didn't make it all the way through this one. Huh. <laughs> huh. Maybe maybe it fixed you in less than 60 days. That could be. Could that, be. That's what people are saying about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, 30 days to 60 days to change. Dame, what's your real one? Uh, actually, I it's really weird that this topic came up because uh, you and I got an email from friend of the show, uh, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past week, who was raving about the psychology of money by Morgan Housel, right there as well. Uh, I have read it. Uh, it I mean, it's four point seven stars on Amazon, so I mean that should should tell you a little something. But that one is very, very highly regarded in the the personal finance community. Now, I do have to talk about a book that changed my life, and I, I really wholeheartedly believe this. Um, in two thousand seven, I read it, and I also have to say, I'm not sure it's stood the test of time. <laughs> okay. But uh, I've talked about this in company uh, outings quite a bit. Uh, the success principles by Jack Canfield. <laughs> I read it in 2007 and it literally changed. It changed my life completely. I feel like it was speaking to me. There's 67 principles of, of being a successful business person. Now here's the problem. <laughs> um, Kristen, how I say this, uh, it is antiquated mm-hmm. in its, discussion of the interplay from a gender perspective, mm-hmm. probably an age perspective, 
Yeah. And maybe other demographics. So it's, it's, I don't know. I'll go back and read it. I'm like, well, this gal said, and I'm like, I don't, I don't really <laughs> talk like that. So uh, the success principles absolutely changed my life. And I have a marked up copy in my office right now. Kristen's back. I have one on my shelf. Um, this book we read as a team, Get What's Yours. I will say that it it's hard to get through, but if you're someone coming up on social security, this book has so, so, so much information in it. Finally, Dame, last one's yours. Uh, I will say a uh, one page financial plan by Carl Richards, or uh, there's another one that's uh, pretty good. Uh, I will teach you by be rich by Ramit Sati. Uh, that is, is also very similar in, in format, but uh, very good, basic fi personal financial plan stuff in there. We did it. Great. Fantastic. Kristen, congrats on not saying any of my books. That seems like a weird choice. Um, all right. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week purchasing my books and the news right here on the Pete the Planner show. I'm Pete the Planner. Hmm. Cutsy. Cutsy. <laughs> Here's the thing though. My writing style has evolved so much from when I wrote my last book in 2015 that I don't even think I like my books anymore, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love my columns. I like my I like where I'm at now as a writer, but man, 2015, they were okay. I'll give them a six out of 10. So buy so them you, or don't, I don't care. You've got a chance to go through and have the revised editions now and just have a whole new lease oh, on life on those books. I have time for that. I'm in a soccer team. I'm a so I'm on a <laughs> I'm on a club on a pitch. Oh. For a week, what's the cut process for uh, a C League men's soccer team? They needed bodies. <laughs> um, I have to go buy shin guards. I'm uh -huh. a 46 year old man buying shin guards. <laughs> yeah, my son is offering to train me. Nice for a do a little do some, do some <laughs> now we're talking. He is my son. Um, okay. Let's keep it moving. All right. Ready? Go. Mm -hmm. Who cares? Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is Empirical by Doritos Nacho Cheese Spirit. Empirical is known for its inventive, unusual spirits. Perhaps none are more unusual than this collaboration with Doritos. Crafted using a vacuum distillation process, this surprisingly clear liquid claims to taste just like the snack food staple with initial flavors of umami and nacho cheese giving way to the corn base and a salty finish. While Empirical includes sipping it neat in their recommendations, we find the nacho-tinged takes on the Margarita and Bloody Mary far more plausibly palatable. Bottled at 42% alcohol by volume in a 750 milliliter bottle, it will be available in January at select retailers with online pre-orders open. Now you can buy it from Empirical, direct from Empirical. Uh, Kristen... Uh, nachos, booze. Um, <laughs> this is nacho bottle. Yeah, <laughs> my bottle, not nacho oh, bottle. Okay. Um, no one likes nacho cheese Doritos more than me. Oh. I have Doritos and cottage cheese for lunch. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! What? Never eating again. That's what I needed in terms of my weight loss journey. Some people go with Ozempic. I just needed that phrase. Thank you. I'll never eat again. 
together in a bowl. Um, (laughs) Like, do you mash them up and then just spoon them? Absolutely, I do. Uh And if you have never tried it, I don't want to hear your negativity. That's terrible, Kristen. It's delicious. Um, However, I don't want to drink nacho cheese Doritos. So whatever the price is too much, but I'm going $57. Dame, I somehow dislike her now. (laughs) That was so gross. And look at all the comments of affirmation to this culinary delight streaming in from the... Oh, there aren't any. (laughs) I was was like, wait, uh, oh. Delicious. Uh, I'm supposed to guess now on this abomination. (laughs) I agree. Whatever it is, is too much. Christy gave a great guess. I got to be honest. Uh, Price is right rules. Sure. You said 57. Yeah, I did. 58. What? 65. Dame wins. Yeah. Yeah, See, that's, that's, uh, that's a vet there. Dame, what's in the news this week? The Federal Reserve has two mandates, inflation and unemployment. And for two years, it seemed as if uh, only the first mattered, raising interest rates so steeply that it knew it was courting recession. This week, it pivoted. Pivot. Uh, You're getting, uh, quote, you're getting now back to the point where both mandates are important. Fed Chair Jeremy Powell, that's Jerome, we call him Jeremy in our club, Uh, told reporters Wednesday after the central bank's meeting, we'll be very much keeping that in mind as we make policy going forward. Yeah, that was a quote because I wouldn't have said it that way. The pivot means that the Fed is ready to backstop the economic recovery, but it doesn't rule out a recession. Just makes one much less likely. Officially, the Fed is still unsatisfied with inflation, which Powell said remains too high. Officially, It says it's more likely to raise rates than cut them at their next few meetings. Unofficially, wink, wink, the Fed thinks inflation, which has fallen much faster than almost anyone expected, will be in the vicinity of its 2% target before long, and the priority in the coming year will be lowering rates enough to prevent a recession. That's exactly what's going to happen, by the way. They are going to lower the rate twice in 2024. uh, I, I can't say the G word. Dame three, says three times. Three times. Kristen? I don't know. You guys, this news cycle makes me tired. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe it's all the cottage cheese and Doritos. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had lunch yet today. It's, Dame, do you believe... Okay, this is going to get controversial. Do you believe the Fed succeeded in tamping down inflation this time around? You you did not want that question. (laughs) Um, No, I, 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 no, I don't. I think they uh, tinkered with things way too much and it potentially could have uh, come under control much faster had they let the market do its normal thing. All right, Kristen, do you think the Fed succeeded? I would probably say no. I mean, has inflation come down? Yes, but correlation and causation are, you could argue, like, was it really because of the Fed? So, I mean, no. So, what, okay, okay. So, you, you, how did it come down then? Well, I mean, eventually, well, I, I don't know. I guess maybe. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I think it did. I think it worked. And I don't disagree with the criticism and this or that, but I, I, I think it worked. That doesn't mean I agree with how they did it or the length of this, but I, I think it worked. By the nature that they're good, but now, but here's what they're going to do. They're just oversteering this thing, you know. That's where it's going to go. They're just going to just keep tweaking the wheel, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not real confident about 2024. What else is in the news this week? The amount of money Americans plan to allocate for the holidays this year is on track to surpass pre-pandemic levels for the first time. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Don't in, do that. In 2023, holiday spending is expected to grow between 3 and 4% over 2022 volumes to between $957 billion and $966 billion, according to the National Retail Federation. Almost 80% of Americans are prepared to dish out of up to $1,000 this holiday season, according to a recent Bank of America survey. Bank of America, at least they're doing something right for you, Pete. Uh Roughly 43% of respondents plan to spend less this year, and 57% said they would limit expenditures to the same or more, with 9% planning a significantly bigger splurge. Millennials, by the way, were three times more likely to spend big compared to other generations. Despite budgeting for healthy holiday spending, guessing game, what percentage said they did not expect to take on any debt to purchase holiday gifts? What percentage... Here's the thing. It's going to be something like 65%, but they're yes. wrong. That That's, right. the, that's the rub. Dan? Right. Fine. 70% said that they did not expect <laughs> to take no, I'm sorry. <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. Right. Uh, Kristen, did you spend more this year than you did last year? Yes, I did. Dame? Uh, yeah, I did. So did I. Yeah. I think also at stage of lifetime, Kristen said this one out. Uh, as our kids get older, Dame, like the things that they they want and whatever, they just yeah. get more expensive. It's like, oh, I'm going to get Percy from Thomas the Train. It's seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, no, I don't think so. Yet it doesn't work like that anymore. No, unfortunately, it does not. They uh, you can't even go buy a nice sweatshirt for them anymore without spending, you know, way, way, way too much. When I was a boy. Yeah. We made our own sweatshirts. We just got cotton. <laughs> One last story, maybe. Uh, inflation and rising costs are pushing an increasing number of Americans who have already retired back into the workforce. Here's our good feel-good story to end the show. Lovely. Some 12% of Americans said they plan to work again in the new, new year with 61% citing rising costs as the reason. Besides inflation, 34% say they plan to return to work because they did not prepare adequately for retirement. Let that be a cautionary tale, 34%. Uh, an additional 34% need money to help pay debt. And 34% plan to return because they're bored and need to keep busy. Is this is this story about intention or about an actual trend that is occurring? That's a trend. Uh, well, uh, you know what? It might be just about intention at this point. Because they go on to say Social Security is not uh, covering nearly as much as it used to. And uh, they they need some additional revenue to, to cover ends. You know what I'd love to do at some point on the show is like, Based on the new economy, because it's always new. Yeah. Um, where do those people go back into the labor force? What does that look like? 
You know, do they do they go into serving? Do they go into bartending? Are they going to a different place than they used to? So yeah. maybe next year. Well, so I don't know if this is the last show of the year because I haven't planned that far ahead. If it is, Feliz Navidad and uh, Happy New Year. If not, see you later. Uh, Kristen, hello. Dame, goodbye. Uh, I'm running out of words. Send you good vibes. Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is Pete the Planner Show. I don't know. I sort of just had a spasm of words there, guys. Yeah. That's good. You're, that shouldn't alarm you. Nope. Nope. Okay, Jeremiah, I gotta go. <laughs> Kristen, that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is it whole milk cottage cheese or is it like low fat cottage cheese? How's that? The work? Low, low fat, small curd cottage cheese, nacho cheese, Doritos. Because the, the large curd would just be too much. Right. That would be disgusting. Extra. <laughs> um, can I also point something out? No. I've knowingly never had cottage cheese. Mm. And how can you be so critical? I mean, have you met me? Um, I, <laughs> the, the visual texture looks so abhorrent. I couldn't do it. Not a big tapioca pudding guy either. I like yeah. tapioca though. Cause my, my mother-in-law made it and I was like, I'm not eating those fish eyeballs. And then I took a, a bite and I was like, wow, this is delicious. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, your sister weighs in on this. <laughs> it's the, genetic, apparently. The spicy, sweet chili Doritos and cottage cheese is as good as well. Is Elanius like German for cottage cheese or something? <laughs> we get it from our mom. My mom used to eat cottage cheese a lot. What's the uh, origin of the name Elanius? What, what, what's like the the um, Swedish? Swedish. Mm -hmm. hmm. Who knew? Okay. What? Go ahead. Kristen, yeah. Kristen, Kristen knew. You said who knew? Kristen. Oh, she Kristen knew. knew. Yeah. All right. Um, I, guys, I don't know if we're doing a show next week because we got like the pancake breakfast next Friday morning. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think it's scheduled to start after the show. Oh, it is? I think so. Why am I the last to know? They could have a watch party. Well, I thought about coming to that, but I didn't know what we were doing for radio. So well, I can you can be in the studio and I'll go in my office. Uh, I'll go in your office. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I, the studio intimidates me. I don't know. What's it? <laughs> uh, if you're watching online today, we changed some settings on the camera so I don't look orange anymore. You're welcome. So nice. Uh, wait, did you fix it, Dave? No, I was saying you're welcome to the audience that's watching oh. so they don't have to look at you, Orange Peter. Danza says pancakes are great for soccer training <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> Uh, I do want to note that I set my alarm to get up and ride the Peloton this morning. And, and then when I went into my room to get changed uh, post-workout, Mrs. Penner said, oh, did you ride? And I said, no, no, no. I'm going I'm to give that a shot after, after work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, I got to go. Um, love you. Stay getting money. <laughs>